Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs, I Michael Thompson talking. It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. It's Jay Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Now I'm done. You ruined you, it. You're done? You're not bad boy. For, I'm sorry, man. I was trying to intro the show. Go ahead. Luke, bring us, in, bring us in. Introduce us. No. No, I'm good. No. <laughs> this man over here. Sports Cancer Radio coming at you here as we do each and every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Bringing to you the best in NFL previews as we come with the Eagles and Bills wrapping up the two North Division, or the two. We, how did we get Eagles and Bills? The two East divisions. The Bills are not East. Yeah, they are. Oh, they are. You're right. Yeah, they're right. <laughs> why, why didn't you just intro the show? I already screwed up. <laughs> Both East divisions as we uh Next week, we will be moving to the AFC and NFC South. And as normal, we will conclude. What the hell? What's that noise? Oh, it's Demtris. I'm sorry. Uh, Demtris in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all remember him from Sportscast Radio, Westcast Radio Day. Um, and then we will be closing out the final four weeks with the AFC and NFC North. What are we doing? What are we doing? Vikings and Vikings and who are the last one? Vikings and Browns. Vikings and Browns. Vikings and Browns are the last one. My foot is itching like a mother sucker. Um, Coming up 10.35, we have Hunter Doyle coming in from InsideTheEagles.com talking Philly, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, then Aaron Van Buren from Buffalo Down coming in at 11.05 talking about the Bills. For those of you who uh, recognize the uh, the handle that, that uh, I had mentioned, or not handle, I should say, but the, but the gentleman that I discussed, uh, Aaron Van Buren, um, he came on earlier with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. <coughs> so... He was going to be our opening segment, but he is—he uh, lives in Milwaukee and he wants to watch his Bucks Suns game. So, I said, watch the Bucks lose. <laughs> <laughs> Down by four right now, uh, according to—I might be a little bit behind though. Um, quick update here—we won't get into it right away because um, I don't have mine ready, so we'll figure it out later. Um, but as of the first week of Mythical Money, Luke uh, down fourteen hundred and twelve dollars. Uh, he got he won five eighty eight twenty four from uh, Sean O'Malley, but lost a grand from the Bucks and lost another grand with McGregor. Luke, I'm not slow. I think I I think I bet that McGregor's leg was gonna snap was my bet. So <laughs> I think um, I won twenty two seventy two seventy three on the Suns getting the W. I also won thirty seven oh three on Poirier, and I won eighty seven fifty on Bel Air and Banks winning an SB. So I am up to sixty four thousand seven hundred twenty six, taking a sixteen thousand dollar lead after week one. What's the name Pretty of that website dollars. so I can pull it up? Um, you want to go to uh, mybookie.ag. I'm just gonna pull it up. So when we do it, I have it up and ready to go. <laughs> uh, coming up in the uh, final portion of the show. We'll run through uh, all of our normals. 
We'll, we'll hit you with three strikes. We'll talk uh, real MVPs. We'll get our mythical money and any kind of little random banter that we have as well. Um, I got a couple rounds of mover facts. So if we want to play two rounds of it, Luke, we can. Otherwise, we can save one for a uh, rainy day. But I think the big, big thing that we need to kick off with is next Wednesday night, the Seattle Kraken enter the NHL with their mock draft. And I thought it would be fun if we went through, decided, uh, you know, who's keeping what for the team. And we kind of give our own mock draft, if you will. So, with that, are you okay? I was itching my leg. Man, every time you itch your leg, it always sounds like you're dying. You're running a marathon or something. <laughs> I, put, I put a lot of effort into it. That's that's okay. That's okay. Um, so why don't do you have um do you have the your whole page open with all the teams and everything? Yeah. So I have my cap friendly thing, so I can go to my protect players draft team so view team. Why don't you go to draft team and we'll just go team by team who we think that they're going to take. All right, I'm ready. Uh, Anaheim Ducks. I had them taking Hayden Flurry. Uh, the GM of Seattle took him uh, when he was drafted, so it's a guy that's kind of attached to him. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, I went the same route, but I went with Jacob Larson. Okay. So nice, nice young defenseman. Uh, I think the one thing I liked about Fleury over Larson was he's uh, he had played both these spots. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had for a minute Adam Henrique going, but I needed salary cap space, so. I did the same that thing, one. and then I ran into that issue with they have to have 20 contracts, 2021 to 2022, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's not it. Um, the Arizona Coyotes, I had them taking Aiden Hill, uh, the backup goalie that I think is going to come out, 25 years old, not a big cap hit. If he can tell it, turn out to be something good at the steal, I think. Uh, so with this pick, I have them picking another Larson, but in Johan Larson. Oh, the center. I like that. Nice 28-year-old kid. Uh, Bruins, I went the route with Nick Ritchie, 25-year-old left wing. He was one of their multiple first-rounders a few years ago. Um, I think he's one of those guys that this could be a play where Boston pays them, like, hey, we'll give you a draft pick and some compensation if you take player X and don't take this guy. And that's where I think he could end up still there, but uh, that was that was my choice. I chose Mike Riley, the defenseman. Oh, nice, nice, Mike Riley. Up, so so you're loading up on some getting some D in here right off the bat. It's not a bad some thing. D, some defense. Uh, Buffalo. This is another guy I think that they're going to be mad. Um, today they announced that Jeff Skinner waived his no movement clause, so Skinner is allowed to be drafted. Uh, but that $9 million until 2027, I don't think they're going to bite on. I still think they're going to take Rasmus Asplund, gives him a young center that can be kind of a you know second, third center for this team. I have him bring him, bringing in a veteran uh, player in Kyle Okposo. Oh, wow. Taking that big salary. Yeah. Any, any thought why you took Okposo? I didn't, I don't know, because I I think it was mainly because I had already, like, three defensemen off the board, and I was like, oh, God. (laughs) That's fair, that's fair. Um, Going to Calgary, I I went to that defense route. I took Christopher Tanev. I think whoever doesn't get kept between Tanev and Giordano, this team is going to take. I ended up having Calgary just keep Giordano, therefore I want Christopher Tanev. 
I went with another D player in uh, Oliver Kylington. Okay. Nice, nice young, young piece there. Yeah, I just, cheap I, contract. I feel like Calgary's going to lose one of their two studs, and that's one of the players that's okay to take a reach on. But I do like the young guys. I think a lot of it, too, is going to be taking enough young players. It's just I could see them getting themselves in a spot where they don't spend enough money because of that, or they don't have enough contracts yeah. players. Um, but it'll be interesting uh, come next Wednesday. Uh, we cycle on to Calgary. I had this team, this team taking Morgan Geeky, 22-year-old center, making uh, three-quarters of a million dollars. He is restricted, but I think they can keep him and not have to pay him a lot. Wait, who are we on? Uh, Carolina. There we go. Okay, you said Calgary. I was like, we just did that. Oh, I'm, I'm moving on from Calgary. I apologize. Okay, got you. Got you. Uh, this one I struggled with a lot. I had Brady, whatever his name is. Well, how do you say that, Ryan? Oh, G. There you go. I had I had him locked there for a while, and then I switched it a couple of times. But I actually have them taking the young goalie Dylan Wells. Okay, okay, that's that's interesting if they if they, if they let him walk. I could see it though. You know, I will say too for the longest time I had Cedric Paquette, former Tampa Bay Lightning, but uh, I needed that money. Although you know, I think I may have freed it up. I did free it up. I'm making my first audible. I'm switching back to Cedric Paquette because I had $2 million to spend that I didn't before I made some changes. Uh, this bumps me to 80.3. I'm, yep, I'm officially switching from Geeky back to Paquette because I can make it work. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm even happier now. <laughs> um, we move on to the Blackhawks. Uh, I think this is a no-brainer if he's here. You need a young goalie to take a chance on. And I think that guy right there is Malcolm Subban. Um, Hands down, my that's one of my guarantees if he's there. My lock. One of your locks. You're, you're gonna. Are you gonna bet that in the betting part later? No, because there's no way to get odds on it. Well, that's dumb. Um, I have them taking Brandon Hagel, the 22 year old left wing. Okay, grabbing Hagel there, getting one of their forwards. Not a bad play at all. Um, Colorado. Uh, this one was a little bit tougher. Um, I I went uh, Valeri Nishkinen grabbing him kind of a, you know, a solid left wing for those front lines. Two and a half million is a lot. And I was like, man, if I'm already spending that, do I take Brandon Saad? But Michigan's under contract. I needed the contracted player. So that was my thought. Gotcha. Um, in my opinion, I, I can't see him passing on Brandon Saad if he's there still. Yeah, like, if he, agreed. yeah like that's why I have them taking. Uh, he's still young. He's efficient. Um, yeah, he's efficient. So. You're efficient. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Columbus, I, this was a tough one for me because there's nothing that really stood out for me. I mean, I like Nathan Gerby, but he's getting older, so I don't think that was a good good play. Um, Gabriel Carlson I had not get kept, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So it led me to one of the veteran defensemen. I, I skipped on Michael Delzano, and I went with Adam Clendenning. Clendon. That's a tight-ass name. Clendenning? <laughs> That's Clendenning. dope. I had the same issue with Columbus because, A, I didn't know who any of these people were. Um, <laughs> yeah, besides, they have, like, the weakest one. Yeah, besides Michael Delzato, and I was like, I already have five defensemen off the board, so there was no point of doing that. Uh, so I had him <laughs> picking Kevin Stenland, the 24-year-old okay. right wing. He's under contract, too. That's not a bad one. I looked at that, too, and then I was like, mm. Get a little bit of someone that can, can do something back there. Yeah. Uh, Dallas Stars coming up next. I went with Adam Masherin, uh, 23-year-old center. 
Uh, I thought if he managed to stick around, because I love Andrew Cogliano. Cogs has been a guy that I've been a fan of for years. Demtris is shaking his head, hell yeah, on Cogs, but I'm not paying $3.25 million on a 34-year-old left wing like that. He's gotten as much miles as he does. And I'm not going to take a guy like Anton Kudobin at 35 either. So I went with Masherin. I, w- I thought the same thing with Andrew Cogliano. Um, I actually went to their top defenseman in Jamie Oleksiak. I think I said that right, right? Uh, uh, Oleksiak. Yep. I have them taking him, spending 2.1 on him, get a young D-man. Yeah, I had thought, too, about Sammy Votnin in that same yeah. kind of role, but I, I just kind of – I thought Mashman, once again, you know, I figure if this team takes the right chance on enough centers, I think it could help, you know, if they land one or two that really stand out. Yeah. Um, going that center out, you know, veteran guy here's 32, so he's past that prime role. But with the with the the cap, they got to spend it anyway. I went Luke Glendening, 32 year old center for the Red Wings here. I had no idea what to do here because I did not recognize anyone's names. Uh, so I went with Riley Barber. Okay. Uh, right wing there, 27 years old, and he's under contract, which is nice. Uh, Edmonton Oilers, they had a lot of expensive players there in my James Neal, Jason, um, Kyle Turris. A lot of these guys, like Adam Larson, Chris Russell, Tyson Berry. Um, a lot of these guys that I think that they're dangling. I almost went to Kulikov, former Florida Panther, now on the Oilers. Really good defenseman. But I feel like if he doesn't get kept, because they're going to keep Darnell Nurse for sure. Just a matter of what else they're going to do. So I went Ethan Bear, 24-year-old defenseman. He's only making $2 million. Um, really, really talented piece there. He's on a contract. I went with the former Minnesota Wild, Alex Stalock. Oh, Stalock. All right. I'll take that. I like Stalock. Good, you know, good for him, too, getting some love here. I also, I'm a big fan of Slater Cuckoo. I really like all of these defensemen. Uh, Slater Cuckoo, former yeah. first-round pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Florida Panthers uh, coming in here. I was torn between the two forwards that I think are going to end up getting. The problem Florida has is they have too many good young pieces right now that they're going to lose one. And I I was stuck between Anthony Duclair and Sam Bennett. I want Anthony Duclair um, to head over to Seattle, partially because then I'll probably get a Duclair for my my title. (laughs) Um, I have them taking Sam Bennett, so I went the other way. Yeah, I I don't – you know, I I don't think – Either is a wrong answer. If any of you guys are both left, um, you know, I mean, it, it'd be hard pressed to not take it. And and I think Anthony, I like Anthony Duclair because he kind of looks like Ice Cube's kid, O'Shea Jackson Jr. So I could just uh, picture him in um, straight out of Compton every time I'm I'm seeing him going on the ice, smoking somebody with a shoulder. So that that gives me an excitement as you know, new adapted team of myself, Jordan Jisker, and Jonathan Dufresne, and my son Sidney Cook. Uh, the Seattle Kraken. We're, we're calling ahead of time. We're, we're going to be cracking hard next Wednesday. Cracking you know, jokes. We're, we're, we're crackings on on our on our mobile games because we're dropping them ducats. We're going to be cracking to the NHL, and, and and it'll be a team that I can I got some people buddies to root for. Like I mean, me and Demetrius cheer for the light and everything, but now it's a brand new fresh team. My son can cheer for with me, and we can kind of go a future with with a team to bond between me and the boy. Just to go the thank you, the boy. I just, you know, Jordan, Jordan, went and, you know, do fun and jump right into. <laughs> and then you were like, I'm not doing any of that shit. 
Not I kidding. already bought a jersey, bro. Oh, well, you're ahead of me then. <laughs> the LA Kings were an odd one because I think Dustin Brown, who was one of my favorite players in the last 10 years, I think they're going to, with how much money he's making, they're going to make him available. But I would not spend almost $6 million on a 36-year-old Dustin Brown. Even I do have a Dustin Brown jersey. And I'm not spending almost $6 million on a 35-year-old Jonathan Quick. I'm sorry. So I understand why you dangle those two out there to see if somebody could take that salary, but I'm not biting on it. I went with the son of Claude Lemieux and the nephew of Mario, Brandon Lemieux, 30 or 25 year old left wing. Uh, I did the same thing actually, just cause I liked his name and I knew he was related to Mario Lemieux. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dad, former uh, devil and abs, Claude Lemieux. Um, and then Mario is his, uh, his uncle. So I mean, I think it's, I think it sells some tickets. Uh, Minnesota Wild, I really was leaning on taking Nick Bukestad. And then when I, I finally, I finally was, I was, I was sitting there going, okay, they're, they're going to, there's no way they're not going to keep, um, you know, they have to keep Rodin and they got to keep Spurgeon. Are they willing to let um, Carson Soucy walk when Soucy's still in her contract till 2023? He's half the cost, and if we're going to try to bring in Eichel or Tarasenko, you got to make a little more money. So I bid on it, and I took Matt Dumba for the Wild. I did the same thing. And it's one of those things where, as a Wild fan, I don't want Dumba to leave because it's one of those one of those where I know that once the light bulb stays on, he's going to be an All Star, and just Minnesota sports luck, he's going to be an All Star when he leaves. That's how it always goes. Yeah. But if if I'm if I'm that team, I, I think he's worth the, worth the risk. You know, it's only two million bucks on the books, and he, and you know, as we said, you got to spend that money anyway. Uh, Montreal, I I went with thirty uh, two year old left winger Paul Byron. He's a little expensive, but he's under contract. But I think he's a nice gritty guy that this team can can kind of use in the same light that the Vegas Knights did with Ryan Reeves, kind of having this 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 uh, grit. I dig it. Uh, I have him bringing in another veteran name in Eric Stahl, the center. Oh, hey, that's not bad. Eric Stahl, that's not bad at all. That'd be kind of cool. LeRon Dolphin was another one I looked at. I also thought of Ben Sherratt. Um, they kind of intrigued me a little bit. Uh, Nashville, I, I was going to go with Mikael Grand, but I didn't. I Nick Cousins. I almost went Holla, too, but then my I was just my homerisms there, so I went Nick Cousins. I went Mikhail Granlund because I feel like they're going to get a, he's a decent price point for a younger center who is at pretty talented. So, Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, Devils, I think this is an extreme reach, and I think it's the wrong move. I believe the best thing that this team should do is take Nick Merkley if Merkley doesn't get kept because I think Nick Merkley Nick Berkeley is in that um, Nino Niederreiter situation like he was in the Islanders. When the Wild traded Clutterbuck for Niederreiter, he turned into a stud. I think Nick Merkley is just sitting in a bad situation where he can't figure out where he should be playing with, with some of these guys in this Devils team. I don't think he has chemistry with um, Nico Heshire and, and guys like that. So I think that's the play. But because I had to spend the money, I went back and I said, I want to try to sell jerseys and tickets. And I went P.K. Subban and said, F it. I'll take that big cap, cap it, and try to make some money off it. I did the exact same thing. Hell yeah! Like, and I'll tell you right now, I will. Get, I will, I already have a Subban Nashville jersey. Like, I will rock a PK Subban again. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. 
and, and immediately when I thought that, I went, well, they already got me. How many more people are they going to get to do the same thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's he's great for the community. Your community. He's he's a he's a leader. You know, he he just he's a good. You know, look what he did. Mon- I still can't believe Montreal traded him after he was. You know, he was like donating millions of dollars to like Montreal like children's hospitals and like spending you know a week at a time there visiting all these kids. And then they do- just trade him. Like, you assholes. <laughs> kind of shitty. Plus, like yeah. you said, he'll he'll sell tickets, so and that's what they probably want to do their first year. Mm-hmm. And I think people will be excited to say that, hey, we got a guy like Zuban, and if you know he's he he, he got in a funk in New Jersey, and I get it because it's the same thing I said with Nick Merkley. I just think he's in a weird spot, and it's just not working on that team. Yeah. So be interesting where that goes. Uh, the New York Islanders. Uh, I I really really thought heavy about taking Thomas Hickey. He was a really good defenseman. I thought that came out of the um, Drew Doughty draft, I believe it was. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I thought let's let's go young. Let's get a nice defenseman that's cheap, and I want Sebastian Aho. That's pretty good. Uh, I have him bringing in another veteran on the team in Cal Clutterbuck. Oh, that's. Three point five million for Cutterbuck, huh? I needed to spend the money. <laughs> uh, New York Rangers, um, it's a bit of a price, but he's still young, and I think he can figure it out. I want Anthony D'Angelo, twenty-five-year-old uh, defenseman. I I did the same thing. Um, he was he was somebody that I thought should have done better than he has. So I just I think it'll 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 work itself out. I think. Um, Ottawa, there was a lot of interesting angles to go with this. I went with Ryan Zingle, uh, 29-year-old left wing. Costs a little bit money, but I think, I think if, he can, if he can evolve there, I think he can grow a nice second, third line, kind of like I talked about a couple of the other players, um, and, and not be the focus of the, of the main, but get a little more ice time than he's getting in Ottawa. I went with a young defenseman that was cheaper in Joshua Brown. Uh, with a 1.2 million cap hit, plus he's on contract. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing. This is one I was I was torn um, between two people. Um, I you know I was I'm sitting here and I still had money to spend. I I really wanted to take take the ghost Shane Dawson Spear, the guy that that we've been a big fan of over here. But I, I I went with James Van Riemsdyk because I still think Van Riemsdyk has got something in the tank at 32, and I think if he can if he can turn it on for a couple more years, he could be a starting left wing on this team. Oh, do you do you think that? <laughs> I do think that. <laughs> um, I went with a wing as well, but I went with the 25 year old Nicholas Abe Kubel. Yep. Maybe. Um, Abe Kubel. There we go. I I looked at Scott Lawton too. I I kind of I thought I thought there was some with them, but yeah, I I just feel like it, you know Rims Van Rims like it's another name you can kind of sell some put some put some butts in the seats with. But Gossip Spear, I still am like, oh, did I make the right choice? That just got a um, name too. <laughs> Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins. I went with Anthony Angelo, twenty-five year old center. I really didn't know what to do on this team. I wasn't going to bring in Colton Chevy or and, uh, Jeff Car- Jeff Carter, things like that. Yeah, they're Colton always fun. Turning out to be a bust. So, 
Uh, I brought in the 25-year-old left wing for 2.9 and Jared McCann. Okay, okay. Bring it, bring it. I'm, you know, I'm surprised Pittsburgh that we both had him not being kept. Um, interesting. But, you know, it's one of those things they have so many good players. It's, it's, it's kind of like when we get to Tampa. There's so many good players. Um, I needed some more defense when I came down, and I thought they had two in Patriot and Simic. So same price and under contract. I went with Simic, Redham Simic, 28 years old, 2.25 mils. I did too, just because he was younger and he's on contract longer through 2024, so it made more sense to go that route. Um, St. Louis Blues, I really wanted to bring in Marco Scandella until I saw how much he was actually making. And I was like, mm, no, nah, I'm good on that shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up going with Kyle Clifford, uh, 30-year-old left. He used to play with uh, Dustin Brown in L.A. on that uh on that second line there behind Anzi Kopitar. So I thought Kyle Clifford was a nice play in a middle. So I actually brought in Marco Scandella here. <laughs> I didn't give did. a fuck about the 3.2 mil. <laughs> Homer over here. Um, this was one of the hardest ones uh, was Tampa Bay. I think if Cal Foote doesn't get kept, I think he would be a fantastic play, 22-year-old right defenseman. Uh, son of Adam Foot from the Colorado Avalanche back in the day. I just I think Tampa Bay is going to go look. We'll give you Alex Kalorn or Andres Palat if you take Tyler Johnson. So almost like a two for one. And because of gotcha. that, I I just think they're going to they're going to because because Tampa needs money. They need salary relief. They went over the salary cap. I don't know how they pulled it off to get Kucherov to play. They but they spent over the salary cap. They shouldn't have been allowed. Probably, but I don't care. I loved it. Um, so I think Tyler Johnson taking the $5 million off the books and you incentivize them, give them Yanni Gord, give them Alex Kalor and uh, Andres Palat. You give them one of their, one of your other guys with, with money and uh, free some cash up and kind of give them two nice players. But if, if it's not for that, I would, I would all be all over Cal foot. He's like 22. Uh, I have him bringing in the 24 year old right defenseman, Eric Kernak for Eric 2.9 Cernak. million. Cernak, well, it looks like Kernak to me. <laughs> I think David Savard is another sneaky one that could go too. Um, but, it's, I mean, Tampa has so many good players that, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I, I just, I feel like they're like, if, if they can free up that cap so they can keep some people, it's going to work. Yeah. Um, next, this one was, was tough. I wanted to go Alex Gelchenyuk. Uh, 27 years old because I think he's, I think he still has something to take. I think he could, he could be that Guillaume Latendresse to the Wild for for Seattle, where a new new scenery is good for him. Um, but I ended up going Wayne Simmons, which I don't think is going to happen. I'm probably the only person that's mocked Wayne Simmons, but I think it's another name that people recognize. And everywhere he goes, he's a good character in that locker room. He's also a right wing. I haven't taken a lot of those. And I think he's still got enough in the tank to be a third-line winger. Or I think he could just grit it out. And, he, and like I said, he's just a good person to have in your locker room. And he's under contract, too. I think Luke got kicked off. Oh, no, I muted my mic because I was itching oh, okay. my face. <laughs> oh, I thought you got Triple H there again. Nope, nope. I uh, I went with Wayne Simmons as well, actually, just because he's a household name for most hockey fans. Uh, Helps sell tickets. He's on contract through 2023. 
Uh, Vancouver, uh, as we get down to the end here, I, I had some more money to spend. And I think, you know, with the two young goalies, Aiden Hill and Malcolm Subban that I already grabbed, I went with Braden Holpe here because I think he's going to get kept because they're not going to want to hang on to that $4.3 million that he's got because they have a lot of people under contract they need to keep. Um, and I think that's a nice... Nice value. We saw what happened when Marc-Andre Fleury went to Vegas, what, how good he did. Um, so, you know, when you think Penguins, you think Washington Capitals. So in my head, I'm going, let's take the old Capitals goalie and great Hopi and see how it works. I did the exact same thing. <laughs> Washington Capitals? Uh, I I went with the other Van Reems, like Trevor Van Reems, like J, uh, uh, John Van Reems, like brother. Uh, I... I I laughed when I saw Zdeno Chara's uh, James Van Rimsley, excuse me, that that uh, Chara is most likely going to be there. But I'm like, I'm not taking Chara. I've already taken enough rando names, and I'm not paying Carl Hagland that much money. And you know, I mean, he's under a mill. He's he's contract controlled. Why not? I went with uh, Garnet Hathaway, the left wing, for uh, 1.5 mil. Okay. Okay. Um, and then lastly, the Winnipeg Jets. This is one where I said, I'm going to do the same thing. I got cap. I want to bring in a name to try to sell some tickets. And if he can somehow channel, you know, even, even a couple years ago, this guy could be our starting center. And I went with Paul Stastny. Uh, I'm going to be hundred percent honest with you. I went with uh, CJ Seuss. Cause it reminded me of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> The great hockey mind of one, Luke Gilbert. <laughs> I didn't have – this was my last team, and I had, like, no money left to spend. <laughs> so I was like, ah. Uh. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm pretty happy with, with the way it, it turned out. I can't be too mad. Um, you know, just, just, looking at, just looking at who I have here. Um, you know, my, my team set up, though – I look at this here. So uh, I have 17 forwards um, going by salary down. James Van Reams, like Tyler Johnson, Paul Byron, Valerie Nishkin, and Brendan Lemieux, Nick Cousins, Kyle Clifford, Wayne Simmons, Anthony and Angelo, Ryan Zingle, Nick Ritchie, Rasmus Asplund, Luke Glendening, Paul Statsny, Adam Mansurin, Cedric Paquette, and Anthony Duclair. My defensive pairings, I have P.K. Subban, Matthew Dumba, Anthony D'Angelo, Christopher Tanev, Radham Simic, Ethan Bear, Hayden Fleury, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Sebastian Ajo, and Adam Clendenning. Then in net, I had Brayton Holby, Malcolm Subban, and Aiden Hill. You're tightest. Did you, you want to go through your whole team for everybody? Uh, I would love to, but every time I click on view my team, it says error. Session security token has expired. Please refresh the page. <laughs> you just got to reload the page and hit view team. I did that. It did not work, sir. Let me try it again oh. just for you. Just for you. Ready? Yeah, because I because then I had a I had a wager for you. Yeah, how does that make you feel? All right, got it. All right, ready. Uh, so I have sixteen forwards, eleven defensemen, and three goalies. Um, right. Our forwards are Kyle Oposo, Cal Clutterbuck, Adam Lowry, uh, Jared McCann, Garnett Hathaway, Johan Larson, Austin Wagner, Nicholas Abe Kubel. Uh, Kevin Stenland, Wayne Simmons, Riley Barber, Brandon Hagel, Eric Stahl, Brandon Saad, Sam Bennett, and Mikhail Granlin. 
And then my defenders are P.K. Subban, Matt Dumba, Anthony D'Angelo, Marco Scandella, Eric Cernak for Ryan there, since he corrected me. Uh, Radam Simic, Joshua Brown, Jacob Larson, Jamie Olick. Oleksiak, Mike Riley, Oliver Kyle-Lington, and then my goalies are Braden Holtby, Alex Stalock, and Dylan Wells. So I have a 5K wager for you. Like in real life? I don't have that much money. No, in, in mythical money. Okay. If we put both of the teams in NHL 21 and simulated a season, I believe my team would have a better record. That's a line and a half. You can just shut up. All right, little bitch. <laughs> just say it. I don't think it would. I think your team would lose because it's trash. So, so I got 5K on my team. All right, sounds good. Let's do it then I... right now. Show's <laughs> over, guys. We're going to go do this. <laughs> so what we'll have to do here is uh, one of these nights, we will pull up our roster, and we will enter it in. We'll do a, like a, um, a expansion drafter. We'll basically just put the, we'll put it on a team. And then we'll go through, and uh, we'll just simulate, and we'll see what happens. And uh, we, when we get our final, our uh, our final record, we got to take a picture of it so we can verify with each other that we correctly are are not cheating. Okay, I'm gonna make sure I run my simulation like six times before I get it right. No, no, we don't. We're gonna do it at the exact same time. <laughs> exact same time. You you try to do that, man. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's not going down. I want to be on there so I can hear you going, oh no, as you're uh, going into a losing record as I'm taking the number one seed with my piano crashing. Our injuries on. Yeah. All right, your team's probably gonna lose probably. <laughs> And like your own team's getting in and shit. <laughs> I'm getting harassed by one Isaiah Davidson here. About hey, what? Did Gabba. you not do your stuff in Star Trek? Star Wars? Yeah, no, I didn't deploy. And he's like, gotta, gotta, hey, you can deploy. It'd be yeah. great. He's probably mad because you didn't invite him to the Twins game. <laughs> well, he's on deck. There, I mean, there's still a chance that you don't show. No, I'll I mean, be there. I'll not, be there. I will yet. be there. <laughs> Let's not count our chickens before they have. Unless, unless I get COVID again, then I won't be there. I bet you can't get COVID. When can you get a shot now? Uh, in August. Mm. That's not bad. Milwaukee is about to take, uh, looks like they're going to take game four here. Let's go, Milwaukee! The comeback on it. Good series going here. Yeah, comeback. You don't even know how to say his name right. How, how come – so Giannis inbounded the ball to Chris Middleton, and he still had his foot inbounds, so they didn't even call it. I don't know. Who do we got first? We got the Eagles first? Yep. Uh, let's get this man in here. Is he here? I don't see him yet. You want to do our three strike real quick, and we can make him wait? Ah, uh, no, because he just uh, – he, he heard you. He – he heard the, the sportscast bell or uh, light in the sky, if you will, or saw it. You can't hear lights. I'm sorry. Hunter, welcome. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. It's good to have you here. We're excited. Uh, why don't you really quick go uh, introduce yourself to all of our listeners here? 
Well, hi, everyone. I'm Hunter Doyle here from InsideTheEagles.com. You can find my work there, and you can find me on Philly Insider Podcast on YouTube. And, yeah, I'm really excited to talk birds with you guys. How are you guys doing? Oh, man, we're doing good. We just got done doing our Seattle Kraken expansion mock drafts, which then led to a, a uh-huh. uh, board, board wager now. So we got 5K as we're going to simulate these, these uh, rosters in NHL, and I'm going to show him that I'm a superior GM. You're a superior <laughs> ass bag. <laughs> you know, if you know Luke, if Canelo was here, he would look at you and just say this to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see your side, yeah, yeah, man. Like your Demetrius Andrade. I would Dustin Poirier, fucking Canelo, straight up. Well, Canelo's not going to break his ankle, so sorry, but that's okay. That you know, you know, you don't even throw shade at people. It's okay. The right man won. I won. Remember, remember, board wager. I bet on Poirier, and you did. But with that being said, <laughs> let's move aside from uh, smack talk. I literally took my hands in the air and shoved it to like the air to the left, like people can see what I'm doing here. Uh, Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, we're going to get right into it. And the first thing I got to ask you right off the bat is the huge shake of the quarterback. Jalen Hurts coming in and starting with uh, a little Nick Mullins and Joe Flacco action behind him. <laughs> What's the feeling on Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback of this team? I think the feeling is very split right now, especially among the fan base. I think there there are many varying opinions right now. I, I am just kind of holding out to see what he is because at the end of the day, four games is just not a big enough sample size to go off of his numbers. I mean, when you look at the tape, you have a kid who has some issues. He, he bails out of the pocket a little bit early. He can struggle with a little bit of an elongated release. He needs to read the field a little bit better and get through a full one through four progression. But at the same time, you also see him come up in crunch time and make some big throws, go down the field, keep his eyes downfield while he's rolling out of the pocket, make plays with his legs, and be able to execute and, and get things done pre-snap. So I think there's a lot to like about Jalen Hurts, especially the intangibles. The kid's a hard worker. He's a leader in that locker room that I think that at least the young guys need as they enter a transition year this year. But at the same time, I think you have to leave the door open for the fact that he has a lot of issues that might might not get fixed, and he, he's got to be able to work on them. You know, work ethic is great, but some guys just don't have it. So I think we just have to find out and wait and see what he's going to be this year because I think it's just too too early to make an assumption on him, and he's going to have a new system to learn this year too. It's going to be similar to Doug Peterson's, but we're going to see how he does with the new terminology and how he does in an offense that should really play to his strengths with a lot of short passes, yards after catch, hopefully, and a much more balanced run pass attack than we had last year where – our quarterbacks were throwing 40 times a game. What's the feeling for this uh, wide receiver core you guys got going on? You guys bring in Devontae Smith this year. You draft Jalen Ragor last year. Uh, Travis Fogum's still there. Um, Greg, oh, Greg Ward Jr. and all those guys. What's the feeling behind this wide receiver group? Yeah, that's an excellent question because I think this is a wide receiver group that there are a lot of questions about right now because I think – as weird as it sounds, I think Devontae Smith is the only surefire guy we have in this room right now that we really know what he's going to be, which is weird to say about a guy who was just picked in the, the most recent draft. But I think you look at his route running techniques, just the little things he knows, he's a guy who's going to come in here and really just own that room, own the, own the team almost in a way, just win, win everyone over with his performance. But after that, I think Rager is going to benefit a lot from not being that number one guy because I think you're going to see Devontae play – all three spots. I think you're going to see him play the X, the Y, and the slot. 
And I think you're going to see Rager kind of play all three, but more so I think he's going to be able to flank and play off the line of scrimmage a little bit. Whereas last year, I think he was playing a lot of X. He was playing up at the line where he didn't see in the big 12 or receivers were getting right in his chest, right? I mean, those guys give a lot of cushion in that league. And I think he came into the league and he had a lot of guys who were able to get their hands in his chest and kind of force him to the sideline, which he got better at with as the year got like continued on, but he's still got some little things he's got to work on here and there, just little things and, and little details of his route running. And I think you look at Travis Fulgham. I mean, we saw this man have an amazing five game stretch, but you know, Alshon Jeffrey came back for, for whatever reason, they kind of started to phase him out, whether that was due to the money they were paying Alshon or whatever it was. As he got less snaps, he got in less of a rhythm and kind of just got phased out of the game plan. So fans are interested to see what he's going to do in year, in year two. And, kind of what he brings to the table because I think you see the flashes that he has on the field and I think you see he can do a lot of damage but just how consistently can he do it and with more film on him now and corners being able to adjust how how much better is he going to be this year and I think after that you have a lot of young guys I mean you have Quez Watkins who I think is going to be their gadget guy using a lot of jet sweeps bubble screens stuff stuff of that nature Hightower who's more so a deep threat but I think he can be used at all three levels it just wasn't really utilized as much last year. He's one of the best route runners on the team, but, you know, he has some issues with tracking the ball and making sure um, he fights through contact and holds onto the ball. And then I think you have Greg Ward. You have a guy who is a very reliable slot receiver who can be used situationally. I think he's going to get snaps regardless because he's so good on third down and in the red zone. And after that, I think the only other guy who's worth talking about is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who obviously was not a popular pick here in Philadelphia and has had a very weird career. It seems like at this point he's more of a big body slot receiver, but I'm not sure if the Eagles have a need for that. They kind of have a need for more of that ex-physical receiver, go up and get it type of guy. And Jay Jaw was that type of guy in college, but it's unclear whether he can be that guy in the NFL. Well, you know, when you talk wide receivers, this is how he's going to come up in Philadelphia. Oh, my man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching them, <laughs> unlike Aguilar. That's always going to be uh, the wide receiver thing that I think about. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a time. <laughs> I think about when they passed on uh, Justin Jefferson, the pick before the Vikings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, oh, we, uh, being, I think I think about that every night before I go to bed. And, and, you know, we're based in Minnesota, so we want to thank you. It was it was uh, it was karma for 2017 when when the when people were throwing like cups at kids in Vikings jerseys. This was karma coming back, going, well, you guys don't get Justin Jefferson. Yeah, um, yeah, it evens out a little bit. <laughs> Although you guys do have a Super Bowl, and we don't. So I mean, I can't really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you had mentioned seeing things in spurts, and that's kind of what it, what, it, what it seems like. That there's always it's always there, and then it feels like it, it gets taken away, and then it goes back to being there. And it doesn't like something. It's like the light bulb can't stay on. Miles Sanders, I feel like, should be a shoe in to be a top five running back. Something always seems to happen. You know, Carry on Johnson's on that roster now. There's, you know, Kenneth Gainwell. They're bringing in depth. Can Sanders be the guy that that he should be, and come in and take over as a top five wide, or running back or? Are we still seeing this is why insurance keeps coming behind him? Yeah, I th- I think they are preparing for him to possibly not sign his contract extension and go get his bag somewhere else because I-, I think that Sanders is a phenomenal runner. I think he's become so much better in between the tackles. He's a guy who can get to the edge. In his rookie year, before he got better with his field vision, we saw him run a lot of really crisp routes, and he was a very good receiver. Last year we saw him – 
struggled with the drops. He's a little bit more not so great in the receiving game. They didn't utilize him as much, but still struggled. And I think another thing with Sanders is his rookie year, we saw him play really well in pass protection. Last year, he had some lapses, not really reading the movement on the defensive line and the whole box kind of just letting three blitzers come in and hit the quarterback at times. So he's got to get a little better in that aspect. But I think in terms of a pure running back, he has what you want in him. But at the same time, it comes down to just the little injuries at the same time because there are times where he just can't stay on the field. He'll lose a game here and there, and it ends up costing us. And running back has become a position ever since that Todd Gurley arthritis situation and a lot of other running back injuries. It's a very replaceable position in the NFL today. And I think that's why the Eagles, you see them going up and getting depth behind him because I think Kenneth Gainwell, honestly, I thought Kenneth Gainwell was a third-round talent. That's just my opinion on it. I think that there's an argument for him being the third, fourth-best guy in the class this year, and I think you're going to see him use out wide as receiver. I think he's going to play in the slot. I think he's going to run routes out of the backfield, and he's a pretty good pass protector, too, and a pretty good runner. He just The only knock on him is a little bit of his pass protection and being able to accelerate downfield, but I think that he's a guy who they see could potentially replace Miles Sanders if they can't lock him up on this extension. So I think Miles has the potential. I 1,000% think he is capable of being that type of guy. But I think they definitely want to have their insurance policies. And they gave Terrion Johnson a pay cut to keep him around here, too, as that third guy, because I think he's a guy who can be that main guy in the committee if, if Sanders does go down. So I, I'm not sure Sanders is going to be here long term, because I don't know if we will see him reach that. I think he will with more opportunity this year, because I think Sirianni is going to feed him more. But I'm just not sure if the Eagles are going to be willing to pay him. There was a lot of talks this offseason about Zach Ertz possibly being traded, let go, move to a different team. Um, What's your thoughts about if that's still going to happen and what that depth behind him at the tight end position looks like for the Eagles? Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is a question. If I had a nickel for every time I was asked at this offseason, I mean, I'd probably be filthy rich. Um, This is is quite, quite the situation we're seeing play out right now because I thought Zach Ertz was going to be gone at least a few months ago, if not um, during draft season. Adam Kaplan reported right before the draft happened that he would be gone by the end of the draft, and here we are. He's still on the team. Um, he, he has still not been paid yet, and he's still under contract. So, you know, I, I really think at this point it's, we're so late in the offseason that I think he might end up staying because reports are that he's going to come to training camp, um, even if he's not traded. And you could still trade him at the deadline if he's still on the team. But I think that at this point, the Eagles, obviously, Howie Roseman is not a man who is going to just make a move if he doesn't get what he wants. You can see it with the Steven Nelson situation at cornerback right now. He is not going to sign Steven Nelson for the price he doesn't want. Howie Roseman is a businessman at the end of the day. And if he doesn't get what he wants with Zach Ertz, he's, he's not going to do it. He's not going to make the move. So, I think at this point we're looking at Zach Ertz probably still being on the roster unless the Bills can get something done. But behind him, obviously, you've got Goddard. I think you're going to see Goddard take on more of that TE1 role this year. And then you have Richard Rodgers, who isn't a great blocking tight end, either in pass protection or in run blocking. But I think you're going to see him utilize the receiving game. He, he kind of showed up last year as one of our secondary guys when either Ertz or Goddard or both were down. So it was cool to see that. He's definitely a solid third option. But after that, we have a lot of projects. We have Tyree Jackson, former quarterback. We're trying to see if he can be a next Logan Thomas. You have Akeem Butler, who was a wide receiver from Iowa State, got drafted by the Cardinals and then converted to tight end. He only played one offensive snap, and other than that, it was special teams last year. And you have Caleb Wilson and Jason Kroon, who have the most experience out of the guys at the back of the depth chart, but haven't really done anything in their time in the NFL. And then last guy is Jack Stoll, who's an undrafted free agent, who 
a lot of people want to see him make the team. He's a very good blocker. He's definitely a receiving threat. He can go up and get the ball. He can get down the field and, and, and get down the seam vertically. But if, if Richard Rodgers and Ertz are still here, he'll probably make, he probably won't make the roster. He'll probably be a practice squad guy. But point being, behind Ertz and Goddard, it's really just a whole bunch of guys who we're not really sure of. And Richard Rodgers is a solid veteran, but at this point we know what he is in his career. So it's an uncertain, uncertain situation that you would like to have some, some more certainty behind, behind those two guys, especially because even if Ertz stays this year, he's not going to be here longer. But I think also with Ertz, they're probably going to get a comp pick next year if he does end up staying on the roster. So I think Kai Roseman's also thinking about that long-term if he does end up staying here. You know, I think one of the most solid areas on this team is that front five with, with everybody mm. that, that you have at that line where I don't think there's a ton. I could be way off, but I just, I think this is, this is the big staple of this offense. Um, one, are you confident if everybody's healthy that this team can do enough to keep Jalen Hurts up? And two, is there any concern that when Landon Dickerson comes into play, he doesn't get crippled with how uh, broken and breakable this human being of a man is? This man has no knees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent, excellent question once again. I mean, you look at this front five, and, yeah, they when healthy, I am 1,000% confident in them for this reason primarily. Jeff Stoutland is still the offensive line coach. He's been here for a very, very long time, and even through the coaching staff changes, he has remained. So he will be back here. There was concern he was going to take a job at Alabama this offseason, but he ended up staying here. And he, he's a guy who worked with Jordan my lot of these past three years. He's a guy who kind of got his Isaac Samalo at left guard up to speed to where he needs to be. We saw undrafted free agent Nate Herbig in his second year last year do a very good job in pass protection on the interior. We saw Jack Driscoll start his first NFL game after not really getting much of an offseason with COVID and did a phenomenal job in pass protection his first game, despite the train wreck that was the collapse against Washington in week one. And I think you've seen Jeff Stoutland get the most out of these guys. So with, even without the health, I think they're still going to be able to manage enough, especially because Jalen does have his legs. Um, but, yeah, it does come down to, I mean, if you don't have Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks on that right side, which has been the case more often than not, it's, it's a struggle. It really is because those two guys are two of the best in the league at their position. And I think you look at, you know, Landon Dickerson talking about him. He had a, a stretch of games in college where he started 26 games straight. So a lot of people are pointing to that to say he can stay on the field. But if he can't stay on the field, there, you know, this is going to be a tough situation because we – Behind Jason Kelsey, we have Luke Jurega, who I think is a good undrafted free agent. He was our highest undrafted free agent from the 2020 class. But I don't think he's going to be the guy who's going to be able to replace Kelsey long-term. I think he can come in and start here and there. But I think when you look at Landon Dickerson, when he is healthy, he has the potential to be looked at as like a top 15 talent in last year's draft, top 20 talent in last year's draft. So, yeah, it is a concern. It really is a concern with his health because I'm not sure he can stay up on the field. And, you know, if, especially with Owusu Koromela on the board and some other guys, Zizo Jolare fell and some other names on there that were on there. It's, it's, if he doesn't stay healthy throughout his career, we're always going to look back at it as another one of those drafts where, oh, we could have had Justin Jefferson. We could have had DK Metcalf. <laughs> but I think Dickerson is still justifiable with the talent he has, but yeah, my hope is that he can stay on the field, and I think those 26 games straight are, are a good a good statistic to look at to maybe give Eagles fans a little bit more comfort. Yeah, he does have high upside. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. 
if those knees hold up. <laughs> hey, give me worse than Joe Maurer's knees. This man had to wear two knee braces to play center. He has no knees. The only only person I've seen have worse knees was when I watched one of Sergio Martinez's last fights. He was wearing two knee pads. I said, what boxer wears two <laughs> knee pads? That man, that man almost fell over, I bet. Uh, to transition over to the other side of the ball, over the last few years, you guys have lost a lot of key pieces, except for that front four, it seems. You guys have kept Barnett, Hargrove, Cox, Graham. Is, that, is this the heart and soul of that defensive unit to lead them? 100%. This is the way the Eagles have designed the defense, and this has been their philosophy for years upon years upon years. It's why they kept J- uh, Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby back there during the Super Bowl season, and it's why they honestly had their best seasons in that 2017 year because the defensive line rotation was so nasty and so filthy that, you know, offensive lines just couldn't get a grip on it. And I think you look at especially now, they only have Darius Slay. They've been reluctant to give Steven Nelson the money he wants. They're going to probably throw Dante Maddox out there, who has not really played – um, at an elite, or at, even at a very average level on the outside. And I think you look to the front four, and that's a big reason why. I mean, Brandon Graham, he's been a guy who has been just consistent throughout his Eagles career, and he's a leader in that locker room. And then Cox and Hargrave. I mean, Cox is, you know, he's a guy who has to get double teamed every snap. And Hargrave, once he got used to the 4-3 and the one gap last year, he really started to light the world on fire and made some big plays down the stretch at the end of the season. So he's a guy to look for for a breakout season. And then, you know, they had Derek Barnett, who – has had his issues, hasn't exactly lived up to the 13th overall pick, but could be a late bloomer and has a lot of potential. You have Ryan Kerrigan, who they bring in, um, which sparks the conversation of having linebackers as stand-up rushers in this new scheme with Jonathan Gannon, which I think they're going to probably implement with Patrick Johnson, who is their draft pick in the seventh round from Tulane, who moves around. He played off the edge as a stand-up. He played on the line with his hands in the dirt. He played on the interior. He even played out in coverage and actually went to cover Kenny Gainwell on the boundary man-to-man at one point. And you have Jannard Avery, who used to play in Cleveland in that 3-4, who will probably also be using that stand-up rusher role. So that's another thing they're going to add to this, this front four and this defensive line to just mix up the ways in which they can send pressure. And you saw them. They added Milton Williams in that, that third round, which was not a very popular pick amongst fans. He's a very athletic freak. But I think a lot of fans at that point were hoping they were going to draft Benjamin St. Juice out of Minnesota, maybe Aaron Robinson after they are, before they traded from 70 to 73, maybe Fatu Malafanu, who ended up falling a little bit further than people expected. But they went with Milton Williams, and they, it just shows how much they value the trenches. And I think Milton is a guy they're going to try to groom into that number three role. And then when Cox has gone in a few years down the road, possibly, they're probably going to try to hope that Javon can be maybe the number one guy and Milton can be that number two guy behind them. So it really is the pride and, and soul of this defense. It's the philosophy they've had for a long, long time, and it's going to continue to be that way for a while. You know, I, kind of an overall defensive question, because Luke, Luke maybe changed my thought mm-hmm. when he mentioned, you know, losing people. You guys spent 60 or nine draft picks on, on defense. Uh, also brought in an undrafted. You guys went hard in this draft for D. Was yep. that the consensus is we lost enough and we need to rebuild and we're just going to use this draft to do it and hope we just hit some home runs? I think that was definitely the thought process because you look at the defense and the linebacker position, especially, which they surprisingly didn't invest a ton in in the draft, 
um, was definitely something that you look at last year and was kind of the source of a lot of their problems. And with Jim Schwartz, that was not supposed to be the case. It was supposed to be this linebacking core, no matter what talent we have out there, we're going to be able to groom them to play well enough behind this front four. And the front four is going to make it easier for them. And then the front seven as a whole, like I said, is going to make it easier for the back, uh, the back four. So I think when you look at what happened last year, um, a lot of it was compounded by the fact that the offense just could not field. And I think Jim Schwartz did a respectable job given the talent he had. But I think looking at the Eagles, when you had, you know, Michael Jaquette getting burned out there by Michael Gallup, and then, you know, you, you lose you, – you brought in the Cal Roby Coleman to play slot corner. He did not pan out very well. Um, now you have – you bring in Anthony Harris on the defensive uh, back end too because, you know, you had a lot of safeties like Marcus Epps out there playing by the end of the year just because of all these injuries and everything. I think it was definitely – you know, we lost a lot. You know, we got to be able to be strong and give Jonathan Gannon the guys he needs to fit his scheme, which is going to probably implement a lot of stuff from Mike Zimmer's scheme as well as the Colts scheme. So I think they wanted to get the right guys in there for him too, which was why I think they didn't try to retain some of the guys they lost, like Trayvon LeBlanc, like Mikel Roby Coleman. And I think the, the thought process was definitely we're going to load up the front four and, um, and continue to kind of build from there on back, uh, from build from there in the front four to the back of the defense um, and try to, you know, kind of replace what we lost in other areas in the front four. Are you at all nervous about this secondary? You guys got Darius Slay, uh, who can shut down almost any wide receiver in the league. But other than that, there's a lot of not unknown names, but maybe not so many popular names that people know about. I am beyond nervous about this this uh, the secondary right now. <laughs> I mean, like you said, Darius Slay, you know, he had a little bit of a tough run with DK Metcalf and Devontae Adams. He was a little banged up in those games, and – Jim Schwartz kind of put him on an island one-on-one without safety help, which didn't really help either. But, again, Darius Slay is a guy who you expect to get it done. But other than those couple of games, he had a phenomenal year. Terry McLaurin didn't do a ton against him, and he really did He really did get his last year, I would say. But outside of him, you you don't have a bona fide cornerback too right now. I mean, I, I this is why I keep bringing up Steven Nelson because, you know, the Eagles are kind of playing with their food right now. They don't really want to spend the extra million dollars, $3 million, whatever it is, to go get him. And another reason for that is because they can't get Zach Ertz off the books. But, you know, you look at this back seven or back four, uh, sorry, and you have Avante Maddox, like I said, who we've seen him on the outside. Eagles fans know what's going to happen if he plays an outside spot. He's a smaller guy. He's more fit to play the nickel spot or the free safety spot. He is not fit to play the outside then we have Craig James, who has kind of been on off the injured reserve, on off the practice squad, but they keep bringing him back. He's a great special teamer, but he's not an outside corner. He's not really – he's more so a slot corner. And that's kind of the theme, as you can tell, with Avante and, and James that I've already talked about. The theme of this cornerback room is slot corners. We have a lot of guys who can play in the slot, like Zach McPherson, who we drafted this year, who will probably play in the slot as well. Wasn't very popular pick amongst fans either because there were other corners we were looking at. They traded for Josiah Scott from Jacksonville, and they don't really have any guys outside of Michael Jaquette who has the build to play the outside, but we saw what happened last year, who can play the outside. I think Jaquette, to his credit, played really well against DeAndre Hopkins before the Cowboys game happened last year. He had a really strong performance against him considering it was Hopkins and even, even forced a fumble at one point in that game and, and broke up a pass or two. But, you know, outside of that, I, you know, I think he is – a fourth or fifth corner long-term and they need to get some help in here. They do. And, you know, maybe that's something they just see, well, 
we, we spent the draft this year on what we wanted. We're always going to be a team that builds in the trenches. We can go get a Derek Stingley next year or, or some other corner in the draft because we have three first-round picks. We can evaluate from there on out. But the Eagles, at the end of the day, have just not been a team that's been willing to invest in the back end outside of the Ronald Darby trade. And even then, Ronald Darby wasn't exactly a game-changer for the back end of the defense. So it's something that, again, it just goes along with what they believe in, what they, their core values are on the defensive uh, side of the football. And I don't think that it's a winning recipe when you have these cornerbacks because it puts more pressure on the safeties to perform too because we do have Roddy McLeod. We do have Anthony Harris, who I think is going to have a bounce back year. But it puts a lot more pressure on them. And you saw it with Anthony Harris in Minnesota last year when those young corners struggled. He suffered as a result too and didn't have his best year after having yep. two to three elite years as a Minnesota safety. So I think it does really put some pressure on the back end. And um, I, I think it's going to end up hurting them, especially Darius Slay is not going to be here forever. He's not getting much younger, and corner is not a position where – you have guys like Terrence Newman who just play till they're old. It's not a it's not a position where you're doing that at home. So it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough at the back end. You know, and kind of mentioning the tough end, you know, you said they didn't put a lot of stake into it in the draft either. This linebacking core is kind of a kind of an odd bad news bears feel to it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense with who's kinda of in there. I mean, TSUP, is this is this even more depleted than the, the secondary, or is there going to be some shining light in this linebacking core? I think there's definitely a case that it is more depleted than the secondary. Now, I will say that a lot of these young guys in the linebacking core have a lot more experience as starters, and we saw a lot of them play last year. So I would definitely say that the corner, the cornerback room is um, more of a weakness right now. But I think you look at this linebacker room, they had Ken Flajol, who was their linebacker's coach for a while, with the new coaching staff, he didn't end up making the cut. He had been a guy who had developed some guys here and there, but it was time for a change regardless. And they brought in Nick Rallis, who is 27 years old, very young NFL coach, linebackers coach. I believe he coached at Northwestern and was even a wrestler at one point before. So has some experience with the linebacker position. And he's very young, so he can relate to these guys very much so. But he's got a tall task this year. He does. Because you had Alex Singleton last year, who, yes, he led the team in tackles, but you also saw a lot of his tackles came five yards or so downfield when guys had already picked up a few yards because he's getting bullied back a little bit. Not the biggest guy in the linebacking room. And he really, really struggled in coverage last year. So I'm not sure about his three-down ability. T.J. Edwards is the opposite. He would be a very good run stopper, but he wasn't really the best in coverage. I think he improved there last year, but he's not a guy who can, he can't cover a ton of ground. So it's just, it, his speed just limits him. He's not a guy who's going to be able to do that and play three downs either. And then I think you look at, you know, we, we signed Eric Wilson from Minnesota as well, who um, looking upon the tape, Eric Wilson was also a guy. He also had a lot of tackles this, last year, but teams kind of ran the ball in his direction to kind of gain an advantage. And there were times where he got bulldozed over a little bit. So I, I, you know, I think the plus side with him is that he's pretty good in pass coverage. Some of his interceptions did come off of pit passes and all that, but I'm more so talking about, just being able to get past the flushings, being in the right place at the right time so that the ball's not even thrown in your direction because you have your assignment covered. So I think Eric Wilson does a good job in that regard. I think he brings some leadership to this room because he's played for four years um, and he, he has a lot more experience than a lot of these other guys do. But there's a lot of concern. I mean, Sean Bradley and Davion Taylor are two young guys. Davion was our third-round pick last year. He has elite athleticism, but the problem is he's just raw. Because of his religious beliefs, he was not allowed to play football on Fridays in high school or on Saturdays in college. But the last few years of college, I believe his parents let him play. And because of that, he just doesn't have the same experience these other guys have. 
So he's kind of a long-term project. I don't see him playing a ton outside of special teams this year, but I hope that he can play more so because if he can gain those instincts, he has the potential to be a, a starter here for at least a few years down the road. But I think the main thing with the linebacking core that the Eagles have stuck to is they don't pay linebackers. They don't keep guys like Jordan Hicks around. They don't keep Michael Kendricks around when they had him in the Super Bowl, and they didn't keep Nigel Bradham around. And those were the big three they had for a few years. But after they their contracts were up, they didn't really pursue them much further. They did extend Nigel Bradham after the Super Bowl year, but that was about it. So I think this, this is just the way – again, it's just the way they, they believe in the defense. I, I don't think they're not open to adding to the linebacking core, but I think it's a group that – is going to have some holes, and I think maybe Sean Bradley can be the saving grace. I think he he was the best in terms of both run-stopping and pass coverage last year out of the group in terms of all-around play, so I'm hoping he can kind of be the saving grace and maybe step up, but you have a lot of guys who can play on special teams, and those three spots are really wide open going into camp. So, before I wrap up with you, Hunter, uh, greatly appreciate it, man. So knowledgeable. Fantastic interview. I wish I was a bigger Eagles fan. Thank you, guys. On a lot of these guys, uh, I'm interested to see here. But uh, we always close out and ask this one question. What's the final record going to be at the end of the year? Yeah, I, I've, I've stuck to this prediction most of the offseason, and obviously things change in the regular season. I'm going with either 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine and eight. I think I, I, if I had to pick gun to my head, I'm going 8-9. and nine. I think the floor for this team is six wins. I think that should be the lowest they get this year. I think the ceiling is 10 wins if things kind of bounce their way, if the division's got a little banged up and things kind of open up for them and their schedule ends up not being as tough as it looks. The schedule's not going to be too, too tough, but, again, it's a young team, so every game's probably going to be competitive. But, yeah, I would go 8-9. and That's my final record prediction. I think they're kind of a 500 team. There's going to be games where we kind of have an advantage because Nick Sirianni has more, you know, he has film on the other teams while they don't have a ton of film on him. And then there's going to be times where, Sirianni, middle of the season, there's more film on him where he's going to be having to make adjustments and other teams are going to know what's coming from him. And there's also just going to be times where this is a young team and they just don't execute what's asked of them. And that's just something you got to expect in a transition year this year. So I think that's my final record prediction, eight and nine. I want to thank you guys so much for having me on. This is a blast. I love talking birds, if you guys can't tell, but I appreciate you guys. Yeah, yeah, but it was, it was fantastic. Uh, you know, and you're, you're not the low on the totem pole. The, we, the gentleman we had on from the Jets went 6-11, and 11, so don't fret. You're not at the bottom. <laughs> Good to nice. hear. <laughs> go ahead and plug everything you got one more time for all of our listeners, Hunter. Yeah, make sure you guys go check me out on InsideTheEagles.com. I'll have some training camp profile previews coming out soon. And make sure you check out Philly Insider Podcast on YouTube. I do a lot of content on there, including some film breakdowns during the season. So thank you guys again. I appreciate y'all. Make sure you guys go check out their show and their other episodes that they've done in the past because these guys are doing a great job. Thanks again, man. We'll, we'll talk again, I'm sure. Don't worry. That was, that was fun. We'll, we'll have you back, all right? Sounds great. Appreciate right, you guys. Sir. Hunter, uh, coming in here. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to hit him with the, with the RevX. No. I'm, I'm not. He, was, he was fucking tight. <laughs> no, no RevX. We'll, 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 um, we'll, we'll be polite about it. We'll, we'll, we'll just play this one. Violation. We'll play the nice and easy one. Uh, with that being said, we move into hour number two here. And what I'm assuming is in a very good, in a very good mood, Aaron, after uh, tonight. Yes, sir. Very good. Uh, my voice is probably going to be gone, but as a Wisconsin night is incredible right now. I, I was, uh, I had the game going as, as we were doing it. I had the, 
the board open for the callers and the soundboard going, and then I had a second monitor planted off in the ESPN feed. And I was watching Phoenix was winning, and I was like, you know, I really want Chris Paul to get a ring. But he, I, I, don't, I don't want anyone angry when they come on, and I know how I get about sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great series so far. One game, one possession at a time for the Bucks. Yeah, this, this has been fun. I, I hope it goes seven. This is going to be good. But uh, for those of you who recognize the voice, uh, he was down here talking Arizona Cardinals a few weeks ago. But for everybody that's new listening, why don't you reintroduce yourself for everybody here? Yeah, so uh, my name is Aaron Van Buren. I am, as mentioned, a contributor for the Raising Zona website on Fansided. I also uh, recently became the co-expert for uh, the Buffalo Down site for the Buffalo Bills on Fansided. And uh, that's why I'm here tonight. And that leads us exactly as he said, the Buffalo Bills. They have finally seemed to be the team to overtake the AFC East, and I don't see them getting rid of it at any time soon. And it all starts with a man who I think could be in MVP, MVP talks, your, uh, your, your quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. No, I'm just kidding. I, I couldn't uh, <laughs> uh, as, oh as a, as a MVP, MVP. <laughs> God, I, I hate Trubisky and the Bears, uh, but I couldn't resist it. But, no, obviously, Josh Allen, you know, he, the light bulb officially is turned on. He he took that two years ago season and made this league his. I think he has a chance to be the top player in the league this year. What's the expectation going forward in Buffalo with Josh Allen at the helm? For Josh, it's more about – and he's, he's already improved on it a little bit. It's just being more decisive with the ball. Um, it, it can still improve. Um, of course, everybody may remember that wild card game between the Bills and the Texans from a couple years ago where he just lateraled the ball for no reason and ended up being a costly mistake. And obviously, the arrival of Stephon Diggs really changed how uh, Allen uh, did this year. And so um, – my expectations for him is for uh, the offense to make him more of that pocket passer and have him be in the pocket where I believe he can be the most lethal like he was at Wyoming because that guy can just chuck the ball across the farm. And um, it's really at this point, you know, limiting uh, mistakes and having, you know, more help from other position groups that are not as strong to finally get this team past the Chiefs and back to the Super Bowl. Are you at all worried about that running back duo and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary? Me and Ryan both mocked uh, Travis Etienne in the draft in the first round, uh, going to Buffalo to get a running back, um, but obviously Jacksonville had different thoughts. Um, but is there any worry for uh, going into camp about that running back squad? Well, I think with the running backs here is that I think Devin Singletary has, you know, the ability to be a 1,000-yard rusher. The problem is the, the starting five offensive linemen for the Buffalo Bills last year didn't play a single game together. Someone was always missing for whatever reason. And, and as a former offensive lineman myself, when you have your main five, there's just communication that happens without even communicating. And so when you get that back up in, of course, you know, this is almost self-explanatory, but especially on the line where the team goes through you, um, it can really cause a lot of problems. Um, 
And so the thing is with the running backs, Singletary had just under 700 yards last year. But his average per game was 42 yards. So Josh Allen would end up being the leading rusher for a handful of games. Um, it's great to have your, you know, your quarterback's legs as a luxury. But when he's being the leading rusher, something usually isn't right. Um, and so um, I think with this offensive line, having a preseason, having some sort of a mini camp or a training camp, and then actually going into a season healthy and not through a worldwide pandemic is actually going to be in the favor. So um, I think uh, they also are going to continue to use, um, I think it was Moss that it was a little bit better um, in pass protection and the bills ran 11 personnel, you know, one tight end, one running back, four wide receivers. They ran it 74% of the time last year. And with the success that they had, you know, they're probably not going to go away from it. So Moss might get more opportunities that way. Um, and so that's, that's the way I see with the running backs. And then there's more about the draft that uh, I can elaborate on later if you'd like. You know, and, and I'll go right to that draft in, in a small sense. You mentioned how that starting five never got to play together. You went and brought in four rookies going forward. Is there a concern that it's going to be the same thing this year where you're not going to be able to see those guys all be able to stay healthy together? Or are they going to be able to put it together and actually, you know, everything just kind of all of us, the stars align correctly and they get out there and really make that impact together? I think that the way the schedule is set up for this team that um, – it's going to be, you know, they're going to have chances to get ahead in some of these games and, you know, pull off their starters, you know, perhaps like, you know, in October you get the, you get the Texans. And of course, you know, they're probably about, just about the worst team in the league right now, um, <laughs> you know, next to whoever you would want to put with them. And then of course, Jacksonville is, is what it is. Um, the Jets are going to be feisty, but, you know, they're still going to put up fight, but I don't expect them to actually, you know, make it a game. Um, and so uh, the reason why uh, they went with, you know, the two defensive linemen in the first two rounds, um, Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Boogie Basham, uh, was because the Bills last year only had a hurry percentage of 7% of all pass rush snaps. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you got to get more production from the line. There's Mario Addison also, which has followed the Carolina, the Buffalo pipeline uh, with Sean McDermott. Uh, but he hasn't lived up to the contract that he was given. And PFF uh, actually rated Addison as the worst contract on the Bills. I think it was like three years 30 million, so his average of 10, and he's hardly produced. So um, a lot of uh, Bills fans on our site have been, or at least a couple have been saying that, well, they're trying to get more of a rotation in and, you know, keep working these guys in there like that, even if they're rookies. That's, I can see that. That's a great point. My concern is with the offense, the state of the offense in NFL, um, Offense has moved so quick now, and you know, seeing on film of rotations, if if you're going to try to send a rotation in and you get caught with 12 minutes on the field, you know, people are going to like Aaron Rodgers the crap out of it because he's the king. He's the best <laughs> at doing it. He's like the only quarterback who actually snaps the ball when there's more than 11 guys on the field. Um, <laughs> and so we'll see uh, how you know the defensive line really helps the, you know 
the corners get the ball back, or at least the defense get the ball back to the offense. And uh, with Star Latulale uh, returning after opting out of COVID, it should also help Addison on the inside. You mentioned bringing in Stephon Diggs last year really helped um, Josh Allen in his production and his growth. Um, you guys bring in Emmanuel Sanders this year um, from New Orleans. Is he going to have a role on this offense, or is he just there for depth? You know, I, I see the Bills' wide receiving core as, obviously you have Diggs far and away, you know, your first. But you could almost have like a 2A, 2B thing going on between Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. Because Cole Beasley is going to be, you know, he's going to be working the slot. He's going to be your yak or your rack, run after catch guy. Um, while, you know, Sanders was playing in the Super Bowl literally two years ago in 54. And, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw the ball out of the stadium, who knows what happens at the end of that game. <laughs> um, so I think that with the offense that's there right now, I actually kind of think that um, Gabriel Davis is going to have more of an impact on his offense than Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, if, in my opinion, it, he's got a lot of mileage on him. Um, he's been around, I think he's been in, I'm getting mixed up with Brandon Cooks here, but I thought he got knocked around quite a bit. Um, we'll see what he does. Um, and I wonder, because he's kind of, he's not, I wouldn't say he's like a diva level, but he wants his, he wants his targets. Every receiver does. I just wonder how that's going to play into feeding the mouths on the receiving core. Um, and because Cole Beasley is very quiet, I think he's fine. Diggs didn't seem to mind it either, but Diggs also had 160 targets last year, I think. So um, I would, I would see, uh, how that camp battle, you know, comes out and, you know, don't be surprised if in a four wide receiver set that Gabriel Davis is the one getting the yards because all the attention is on those top three guys. Who's going to be kind of the breakout tight end that this team really could use uh, out of that four, you know, three, four, five guys that you're going to have going. When it comes to that tight end position for the bills, um, Back when I was, you know, talking with you guys about the Cardinals and how their running back position or the tight end position too, um, mm-hmm. they're 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 similar. Like it's it's so wide open. Anybody could really take this job. I mean, Dawson Knox was at uh, George Kittle's tight end university, um, learning routes and stuff like that, uh, just trying to get better with all of them. Um, you know, da- Dawson Knox has continued to decrease the amount of drops he's had in his you know, his short career. Uh, he's been in the league two years. He's had 14 drops in those two years, but 10 of them came in his first season in 2019. He got it down to four in the last year, so it was an improvement. But still, I mean, your, your, your production is going to suffer when Stephon Diggs comes in. The other, the other newcomer and the only other person I actually really see becoming a, a tight end uh, that would be the starter would be Jacob Hollister that they brought over from the Seahawks. Um, Hollister actually played with Allen in Wyoming in college uh, or at Wyoming. And so there's probably that, you know, the poor from years ago that could work out for him. The problem with Hollister though, from watching him be in the NFC West for the last two years, um, is that he is so inconsistent. Um, he'll have a game where he'll have like one catch for seven yards. 
Then for three weeks, he'll do nothing. And then out of nowhere, he'll have like five for 70 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> and then it just repeats like that. It's like this crazy cycle. So um, I think the familiarity with Allen will, would probably get him a little more targets. Um, we'll see how that affects down in the red zone. And um, hopefully they, you know, try to diversify the attack so that way um, it's just not something the defense can key off on. So I would probably, if I had to give it to one person, it would be Hollister um, at this point, even though I wrote an article saying, like, he's not going to be consistent, but if I had to give one right now, it would be him. That's fair. You brought up that defensive front a little bit earlier. I want to talk a little bit about Gregory Russo. Um, we did draft previews a few months ago before the NFL draft, and I asked – Everyone we talked to, who was the one guy not to draft in the first round? And 90% of them said Gregory Russo. How do you feel about that pick? Do you think they reached? Is, do you think he's going to live up to that first-round status? Um, you know, it was interesting when they went with it because I thought that they would address, you know, a bigger need. Like, there's a running back position, there's a tight end, even – who's going to be opposite of Tredavious White, you know, in that second corner slot. They have a bunch of young guys, some guys who have made some plays, but, you know, of course, you're young, you're inconsistent. Um, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it was a reach. Um, I was confused by the pick, though, because I was just like, your defense got you, your, your whole team got to the AFC Championship. What really happened there? Was it the offense that, you know, collapsed? Was it game planning? Was it the corners? Because, you know, Tyreek and Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, or Kelsey as it is now apparently, um, uh, you know, they, they just continue to wreak havoc on secondary. So uh, I think Rousseau is going to have a nice year. Um, and, and, you know, the linebacking core behind him with uh, Tremaine Edmonds and A.J. Klein, who's, you know, kind of having a quiet uh, renaissance, I think they are going to make him successful, um, whether it's occupying gaps or even just showing a blitz and, you know, overcalling protection is a stunt the other way. So I think Rousseau is, you know, he's long enough uh, and he's quick enough to get to the quarterback um, and increase that hurry rate that he talked about from, from before, which was only 7% of all snaps. One position that I always find interesting with Buffalo is that secondary. They run a lot of wild schemes. They play a lot of that nickel back in there, five five guys back, um, which which in turn you know has a decent depth on here. Is there any concerns on that secondary that somebody is going to be that hole that really hurts it, or are they going to be, you know, are they able to work that field well enough where it doesn't matter who's back there with the way that they run their scheme? I think a lot of the support for the corners came from the safeties last year. Um, you know, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, you know, became a safety tandem uh, pretty much out of nowhere. Um, and I had thought when Hyde left Green Bay, I thought he really didn't have anything left in the tank. But, you know, sometimes it's new location, new scheme will do wonders. Um, you know, they're, they're still working in the younger guys like, you know, Teron Johnson, Levi Walls. Um, you know, like I said earlier, they're sporadic, but they're still serviceable. I mean, Teron Johnson, or Teron Johnson, I think I said that right, he had that um, tied the franchise record for longest pick six, 101 yards against Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. Um, but then there are games with him and Wallace where they're just, they're just, they can't cover anybody, no matter what happens. 
Um, especially you go down and look at the first uh, game against Miami. Um, I think it was Dane Jackson that Ryan Fitzpatrick just tore apart no matter who he was covering. Um, and so then that's the reason why that game was so close. So they're in a good spot, but they still need another corner to step up. And I think, uh, you know, Teron Johnson is probably going to be the guy opposite of, um, of Tredavious White to take the job and, you know, cement himself as that CB2. Uh, last year, you guys brought in A.J. M. Peneza out of Iowa in the second round. He was referred to as one of the second-best pass rushers in that draft behind Chase Young. Is he going to get a chance to make an impact on this defensive line, or is there just too much depth in front of him? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was trying to think of why the Rousseau pick didn't you know, all make complete sense to me. But now that I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Peneza, he was just kind of – buried on the depth chart and um you know you don't get so many you only get so many snaps as a rookie and um i think there was just times where he may have just overran the quarterbacks or he got stuffed inside the line and didn't get any help um partially because when you're in those three losses uh they they had that year um you know derrick henry ran didn't run wild but the titans destroyed him um and then I think there was another loss right back to that. Basically, they were in personnel that wasn't helpful to the D-line. Like, they were more corners, back in coverage, nickel, whatever you want to call it, dime. And we'll see how uh, uh, Epinesa can really get in. Um, I think he did have a couple sacks, or at least, a, you know, a good handful of tackles. Um, but I still think he's probably the second guy on the depth chart here. And if they're going to rotate as much as uh, the, our readers think they will, then you should see increased playing time for uh, One guy, too, was talking about a lot of these breakouts. Is I feel like Tremaine Edmonds is right there to come out and be, you know, a household name, be the guy. Is this the year he really takes it to the next level and we really see that? that ability that he shows, because he shows that flash so many times. And I just, I feel like it's, 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 it's right now. Um, can he lead this defense all the way? He's got a good shot. I think it's going to be a more collective effort from this defense because this defense is, it's probably as good as they have been. There is no distinguished leader, I would say. And, you know, I, I may have a little different perspective uh, than some other, you know, hardcore Bills fans would do or people who cover it. Um, but I don't think they've had a leader of the defense since uh, Kyle Williams, you know, retired. So it, if it's going to be anybody, it's Edmonds. Um, he probably would have to get a little bit better in the coverage aspect. But inside on the mm-hmm. run game, he's been great. Um, he's had at least like a hundred combined tackles every year. Um, he's produced a little bit in, you know, getting pressure from sacks, but you know, that's also because the defensive line, you know, can't get the pressure. And so if the defensive line is to get in there, the linebackers, if they're sent probably won't be able to get in there. So, um, I think that if the whole team can come together and someone does step up, whether it's Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, or if it is Edmonds, then this team is going to be able to communicate and finally get over the hump. You know, I, I think this team has a great shot to really, really go all the way here. 
and finally, you know, maybe do what Jim Kelly and company couldn't do back in the 90s. Uh, last question for you as we wrap up with this team. What's your record on them? We've asked you this before. You went 12-5 and five with the Cardinals. Is this the team that could play the Cardinals in the Super Bowl? <laughs> they could. Uh, they could totally do it. Um, although I don't, I'm not sure the Cardinals would get there, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, this, this Bills team, you know, the only way I could see them, you know, losing a couple of games um, is the first game against Miami. Um, which is, you know, uh, Sunday in September. Uh, they'll lose against the Buccaneers when they play them uh, in December. And, you know, you could take your pick between uh, Tennessee or even the Colts in the regular season. Um, so at, I think, the, you know, the, the best they could do would probably be, you know, just the advanced version of last year, you know, 14 and three. Um, if things go wrong, um, then they're going to be probably um, 11 and six. And, you know, the very worst case, no less than 10 and seven. That's, so where, where, where are you going? What, do you, what, do you, what are you going to put your stamp of approval on? I'm going to go with that first one, uh, that 14 and three, if that math comes up over the 17 game season. I, I just, I mean, I know KC's tough. Like, no one's going to disagree with that. And, you know, there's always that one team that seems to, to really stand out. But, I mean, you look at the last two, three years, this team's taken a significant step forward every time. And I just – I really think they got a shot to win this whole conference. I really do. They do. And they – their schedule plays out so well that their air mileage is – not really that bad. I think it's maybe only like 2,000 miles of air travel or something like that. It's pretty low. And their furthest game west is Kansas City. So the road trips, even if they do play, um, you know, a short week, it's, they're all short road trips. Not they're going to play, you know, Seattle or going back out to Arizona twice like they did last year. So, and you know, and I think it definitely helps to where, I know Miami is, is greatly improved and they could be difficult. I mean, this you got a really good chance of going six and zero in this division because I don't see New England or, yep. or the Jets being anything special. So now you got to you know you get yourself a high draft pick. You're not having to beat yourself up with an easier schedule. I just I don't know. I, I think I think it's theirs to lose. You know, at least AFC Championship or bust, but. We'll see. It's it's gonna be a fun team. Um, Aaron, before we let you go, I do have the the time honored question that I believe we did with you uh, last time. You know, with this, you want to play a game of Uber Facts? Sure. Uber Facts: the most unimportant things you'll never need to know. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> now Uber Facts here. We got four. Or there's four facts that I have. Three of these are proven correct. Facts. One of these I have. Made up, altered, don't exist. The whole, the whole nine yards. Point is to figure out which is the fake fact. I have two different games that I wrote up. I will let you, uh, Aaron. Do you want the the first one or the second one? And I'll save the other one for next week. Uh, let's go with the second one. All right, second one. I'll have you uh, give your answer first after I read the four. Luke will come in uh, batting second here. Here's the first fact: If Texas were its own country. 
it would be the fifth, the fifth richest country in the world. Number two, poor hygiene and body odor are such an issue at Super Smash Brothers tournaments that some events penalize players for neglecting to be hygienic. Number three, giving your child a, sma- a smartphone is like giving them a gram of cocaine. And number four, <laughs> in the original Italian children's story, Pinocchio squashes Jiminy Cricket to death. Those are the four facts. Which Ooh. one is the fake fact? What was the first one? One more time. First one was, if Texas were its own country... It would be the fifth richest country in the world. Okay. Um, I, I, I think I have to go with that Pinocchio one. Okay. Going with the Pinocchio squashing Jiminy Cricket to death. Uh, Luke, which one are you going for? Um, uh, will you read the third one to me one more time? Third one is giving your child a smartphone is like giving them a gram of cocaine. I believe that I've given my child it before. Um, I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna roll with the Pinocchio one as well, actually. Okay, so you guys are all smart to stay away from giving your child a smartphone is like giving them a gram of cocaine. Uh, Luke, as you can attest, like I can, when my kid has a smartphone, he goes batshit crazy, will not stop jumping around while watching it. Um, it has proven that the stimulation from having that device is almost the same as cocaine. So. You guys were smart to stay away from that one. You guys were also smart to stay away from the Super Smash Brothers one. Not only uh, do they penalize players, but in fact, some tournaments even have stations where you can have free uh, free deodorant sticks because it's so sweaty. And oh my god! Nasty players. No way. I, um, I, as somebody who went to E3, I can attest to seeing some very, um, very intense people <laughs> in, a, in a booth room. Playing Smash Brothers, so I I, I thought first hand. Oh my three. gosh! Which I almost went with that know? one, but I was like, no. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I I read that fact and I laughed and I thought of it, and then I was like, man, I remember those dudes that were in that tournament that they did at E3, like Bang Energy Drinks had just like they were giving Bang away for free because it wasn't like a thing in stores yet. This is 2019 because uh, there wasn't one last year, obviously. And they had the bang girls throwing out bangs to everybody, and all these kids are just, like, staring at them while playing Smash Brothers. And I'm like, somebody's going to have a heart attack there. Like, this is not Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which leaves you to uh, the last two. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you guys are incorrect. That is a true fact. Demetrius actually snuffed this one out when I went over it with him. Uh, he, he he was between the last two that I have said, and his reasoning being is, I remember how dark Disney used to be back in the day, which is true, uh, which is why the original version of Pinocchio does squish uh, Jiminy Cricket to death. The correct fact is actually, if California were its own country, it would be the fifth richest country. Ah. So that was a little mini swerve there I threw at you guys, and uh, got away with it. I'll take my W. <laughs> Good test. Good test. <laughs> Aaron, we greatly appreciate it as always coming back. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I get the confused because they'll be like, if Texas was its own country, how many countries would fit inside it? Yeah, that's why you're on the time. And I figured, too, you know, it's always everything's bigger in Texas, all the oil, things like that. I was trying to think of something comparable to the amount of, you know, movies and, and businesses in California. So, 
I figured why not go with the biggest one and, and it worked. So kudos to geography. <laughs> but uh, why don't you sure. um, plug everything you got for all of our listeners here. So just want to make sure they can get a hold of all of your great content again. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Coach uh, AVB. Uh, those are my initials, as in Apple Victor Bravo. Um, and then I uh, also contribute for the Raising Zona uh, site on FanSided, and I, you know, co-expert on over at uh, Buffalo Down. And uh, my uh, site expert uh, Brandon Cross has been doing that for a long time. He's got a lot of great, uh, great Bills content. So. Um, if you want to see a lot of good work from Brandon and our other other writers, I would highly recommend you swing on by. Oh, beautiful as always. And, you know, like we said before, we'll, we'll end up talking again as we did here. And, you know, as, as we get through the season here, we got two of the, two of the top teams that I think you're in charge of talking to us about. So we'll be in touch again as we get through this. All right. Sounds great. Ryan, Luke, thank uh, you so much for having me on. As always, man. Thanks a lot. Aaron Van Buren coming in here, rocking round two here with us. And uh, I don't know, man. I think, I think Buffalo's got a really good t- – oh, we got a run-in. Um, Buffalo's going to the Super Bowl. Is, is, do you think they're going to the Super Bowl? I do. I think I think they're I, I think they're going to go, but I think they're going to lose. I th- My prediction is Tom Brady is going to go and win again and retire after this. Oh, my God. He's, he's going to get eight, and he's going to go, all right, I'm done. God. Well, doesn't doesn't he have does he have seven? I thought he only he has, has six. No, he has seven. He has six with New England and one with oh Tampa. Oh my God! You, uh, I that that makes me sick. <laughs> um, with talking that, why don't we move right into this? Let's get into our week eight picks here. Um, oh, this is hard. Packers at Cardinals. Um. This is a Thursday night game. Or at Cardinals, you said? Yeah. I'm going to go Cardinals. Only because we looked at our standings the other day, I'm going to go Packers because I think I would have the Cardinals like seven or eight. Excuse me, or eight and all right now. So. Did you just throw up? <laughs> I kind of, I got like this weird hiccups from this Arizona green tea that I'm drinking, and I was trying to not let it out. And, you know, I was protecting it during the uh, during the interview, and I, I lost it there. <laughs> uh, Panthers at Falcons. Uh, I'm gonna go Panthers. All right, I'm going to oppose that and go Falcons. Uh, Bengals at the Jets. Two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> do we have to choose this one? <laughs> I'm going. Um, I think I'm going to go Jets. All right. Um, we're splitting them all so far. Ooh, too many U's in there. Uh, Rams at the Texans. Well, there goes the splitting, I'm sure. Rams. <laughs> Dolphins at the Bills. Bills. I'm going to go Bills as well. Um, Eagles at the Lions. I'm going to go Eagles. I am also going to go Eagles. Steelers at the Browns. I'm going to go Steelers. I'm going to go Browns at home. Uh, 49ers at the Bears. 49ers. Yeah. I'm going to go Bears. I think I don't have them even winning a game yet. <laughs> uh, Titans at the Colts. 
Colts. I'm going to go Titans on that one. Uh, Jaguars at the Seahawks. We all know how much you hate the Seahawks. I do. I fucking hate the Seahawks. <laughs> you have them like one and six or something. Yeah, I'm, I am going to go Seahawks though here. I'm, I'm going Seahawks as well. Um, Patriots at the Chargers. Chargers. I'm going Chargers as well. Uh, Buccaneers at the Saints. Buccaneers. I'm going to go Saints. You would. <laughs> the Washington football team at Denver. I'm going to go the Washington football team. I'm going to go Denver. You would. <laughs> Cowboys at the Vikings. The Vikings, bro. Um, I'm going to go Cowboys, which I don't want, but I think you would. <laughs> and Giants at the Chiefs. My, uh, the Chiefs. Like I said, <laughs> this is the first week the Giants are losing on my ball. <laughs> Yeah, I was the same when I went through that. I was like, I'm winning like every flip in the game. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We got those down. Um, so, um, do you want to go? Uh, where do you want to go next? We got three strikes. We Let's got go three strikes. Three strikes. Uh, we will go into some three strikes here. Use promo code WrestleCast. Get yourself 15% off of your order from their website. Promo code WrestleCast over RepSports.com. All your nutrients, energy drinks, the whole nine yards. Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. Um, you are up four to three after our first week. Um, do you want to go first with Adam? Yeah, I do. Okay, geez. All right, let's go. Um, I, I have four, but I'm going to let you choose the category. NFL, okay. NBA, hockey, or fighting? When you say fighting, what does that consist of? Uh, it, it is UFC, particularly. Ooh. Um, let's go... Let's go NHL. So, the... This one's going to be easy, so you're probably going to win. <laughs> This was the one I was kind of hoping you didn't choose. <laughs> um, but the top 10 goal scorers in their career for the Minnesota Wild. Oh, God. That's an interesting-ass question. So it's okay. just goals. Uh, Marion Gabrick. Number one with 219. Um... Okay, I gotta think of somebody who played a long time. Nico Koivu? Number two with two hundred and five. Um is Zach Parise on there? Number three with a hundred and ninety nine. What about Pavel Dimitra? Uh that is your first strike. Bart. Okay. Um that's <laughs> just is laughing at me. Um, is Suter on there? I don't think he's that is me. that is your second strike. Dang, I'm not doing too hot. Um, what about Mikel Granlin? 
Number 10 with 93. Oh, goodness. That was close. Okay. Um, Andrew Brunette. Number 5 with 119. Um, oh, my gosh. This is way more difficult than it should be. What about – okay, he played. Did he play enough years? This is probably going to be my third strike. What about Kyle Brodziak? Uh, that is your third strike. Okay. So I got five? Uh, yes, you did get five. You got Marion Gabrick, Miko Koivu, Zach Parise, Andrew Burnett, and Mikhail Granlin. So the ones you missed was at number nine, Brian Rolston with 96. Mm, I was trying to think of somebody in that. With, well, that's why I said Demetra. Yeah. Number eight, Pierre-Marc Bouchard with 106. Oh, Bouchard. Let's go. Number seven, Nino Niederreiter with 110. I, I was going to say Nino, but I thought he didn't have enough years. Like, I was going to say him and Zucker. Yeah, so these these two are the two that are going to surprise you because these are two I wouldn't have thought. Is number Darby six one? Is, nope. Number six is Eric Stahl with 111. I, You know, when he put those last two seasons up in my head, I was like, "There's he hasn't played here long enough, so I don't think he can. Yeah. And then... Number four is Jason Zucker with 132 goals. Yeah, and I should—I was going to say Zucker and Niederreiter, and I didn't. I pushed out. Totally pushed out. And I, I knew I, I would have had that, too. I'll, I'll take five. I'll take five. That was a good question. I like that one. So I also, for you, have NHL. Oh, God, I'm about um, to get zero real quick. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was trying to come up with something that was a little difficult after what you hit me with last week, but still give it something that is plausible. So uh, the 2019-2020 season was the lockout season where teams played anywhere from, you know, 65 to 70 games, you know, whatever it was. Um, I want for you to name for me the top 10 scorers of that season, top 10 point getters. Point getters or score? So point totals? Points, yep. So goals and assists. Uh, Connor McJesus. Connor McJesus is number two, 97 right. points. Um, I'm going to go uh, Alex Ovechkin. Uh, that is your first strike, Ovechkin. Really? He had 48 goals, but he only had 19 assists. That's crazy. So he was tied uh, for first with goals, but he didn't know what gotcha, was going gotcha. for him. Patrick Kane? Patrick Kane was number eight at 84 points. Okay. Um, Kucherov? Nikita Kucherov was number seven with 85 points. Um, sorry, I'm trying to think. Um, 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 um. Oh, who's that kid? Tarasenko? Uh, Tarasenko is not. That is your second strike. Damn. Um, where is Tarasenko? I don't even see it. He's not in the top 50. Dang, he's trash. <laughs> and number oh. 10 is tied, so I will take either of the two if you guess. All right, cool. Um, I'm really bad at this. Um, I'm trying to think... McKinnon? Uh, Nathan McKinnon was number five with 93 points. Okay. Okay. Oh, who's that dude from fucking Ve- Pat- Pacioretty? From- is that from Vegas, right? Uh, Max Pacioretty? Yeah. 
Uh, he was number 21 with 67. Oh, points. shit. That was your third strike. Uh, for Tied at 10 was Jack Eichel, who I thought you might say because we've been talking I, about him. I was going to say him, but then I was like, I don't see him like on highlights a lot. <laughs> he had 36 goals, 42 assists. Also tied at 10 was uh, the Panthers' Jonathan Huberdeau with 78. Uh, number nine was Austin Matthews on Toronto. Oh, so, uh, shit. Uh, number six was Brad Marchand on Boston, 87 points. Uh, number four, in his first year with the New York Rangers, the big free agent that year, Artemi Panarin, 95 points. Uh, tied for third with him at 95 was also David Pasternak from the Bruins. And uh, the man who, who uh, beat Connor McDavid by 13 points and went on to win the, um, the, uh, the players voted MVP and as well as the Hart Memorial for the league MVP, uh, which I was surprised you didn't get. Uh, Lee's rise idol. No, did not even think about him. <laughs> he cleaned up so um, as of uh, week two, we are tied at eight apiece. Tight. So that locks us in. Um, do you have um, Do you have any of your uh, mythical money? Oh, let me look at this real quick. I probably got some. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. We could um. Oh, yeah. We can move into real MVP if you'd like while you look. Yeah, I do have real MVP, so if you want to MVP. MVP. You're real MVP. You're real MVP. Real MVP for me. Uh, first guy to ever start as a starting pitcher, start as a leadoff hitter in the same all-star game. Uh, this guy, even though losing in the first round of the home run derby, had the most memorable time there with how funny he is. Um, gets a, a one, two, three inning, two pitching. Uh, this guy, this guy is going to make a good run for league MVP. We're going to see him uh, at Ju- uh, July 25th at target field. But uh, I, I think, I think honestly, you know, aside from guys on the, you know, looking at, at the Dodgers and such, I think my favorite player in the entire league right now, is Shohei Otani, man, just like every time I see this guy, I enjoy him more. There was a fun picture that I saw today where it's like, it was like um, the all the commentators during the All Star game talking about how he could be the next or he's the next Babe Ruth or all their um, legends in baseball, and it's him with his arm extended forward, like balancing a baseball on his forearm like he's just like some kid having fun like I, I'm I'm a big fan of this guy and I'm glad he's succeeding uh so Shohei Otani you are my real MVP Shohei's fucking tight bro yeah he is I think he's I, awesome. I went with a player who plays a sport I've never personally watched but I think it's pretty cool I chose Novak Djokovic who tied um, Roger Federer yeah. and Rafael uh, Nadal as yeah. the most Grand Slam single titles with 20. And he's probably going to pass them. Yeah. Roger Federer is like one of my favorite athletes of all time. So you don't I, need to cry uh, about it just because Novak Djokovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He had less competition. He had less competition. Oh, God. Calm down. Okay. He, who's his Nadal? He doesn't have one. Uh, Serena Williams. <laughs> that was what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we did three strikes. We did Uberfax. We did real MVP. Uh, aside from mythical money, is there anything else I'm forgetting? Uh, 
what? No, I don't think so. I think we've done everything because we're tight. Um, we got the Kraken knocked out next week. Uh, we will be live after the expansion draft, so uh, we'll probably lead off again with the Seattle Kraken. Um, you know, as we go into the draft is next Friday as well, so we'll have some big talk with that. Um, also returning next week, uh, Nick Hagberg will grace us each and every Wednesday night with his Get to Know Him segment. Uh, requested back by the many, Nick Hagberg every week will deliver to you somebody that you need to get to know in sports that is up and coming. So back next week, Nick Hagberg going to help with that one. Uh, mythical money, though, I am going three again as I try to continue my dominance on you. And I am throwing a lot of money at some shit here. I am. Do you have yours done? I have. I have I did, one I'm done. Doing, I'm doing three. Now, you don't have to do any. You can do one. You can do five. It's no, I'm, gonna, to I'm doing three, too. Okay. Um, I, am, I am going to put $1,000 to win 15K on Brooks Kepka at a plus 150 to win uh, the U.S. Open. Um, then I also, in the same same turn or the open, excuse me, not the you know the open now. Um, I can't. Maybe it's not even the U.S. Open. <laughs> now that I think about it. Uh, I'm also at a plus three fifty. Going to put a thousand dollars on Colin Morikawa to win thirty five k. Two. I can throw those two grand away if I don't win. Doesn't matter. And then lastly, out of my sixty five thousand, I'm almost at. I'm going to put. $40,000 of that on the line to win 16K with Jamel Charlo winning on Saturday and becoming the unified four-division champion. That's pretty good. So we have one bet One bet that's the same. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to put 10 grand down to win four grand on Jamel Charlo. Oh, I, I didn't know you know. Can you tell me about Jamel Charlo? No, but I, I'm going to watch that fight because you told me to watch oh. boxing more. So <laughs> That's what I like to see. So four grand, you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, hold on. I got to go to my next one because I'm I'm slow. So give me a second. Okay. And it, it's risky, too. I mean, uh, you know, you look at uh, uh, Charlo. Charlo's got three of them. Castano's got one. Um, you know, I, I just I think Jamel Charlo's going to unify the middleweight division here. We the real, we the real MVP, MVP. Sorry, I feel I'm like Mike Torino's picking. Um... No, shut up. God, here we go. <laughs> My, Mike Torino is picking. It's and also, forever. Um, also, I have one more that I'm going to do because the line literally just dropped. How I'm much going, money do I have? You have $48,588.24. You're about 16 k behind me. 48000 you said? Yeah, I am going to put, and it's whoever has the most money at the end of the year. So New Year's Eve, whoever has the most money. I'm going to put, um, I'm going to put 5K on Phoenix to win 2702.70 as well and win game five. Okay. You would because you're fucking trash. Yeah, that's right. Trash up by 16K. I'm on 16K. Oh, you don't even have picks. I do. I have one right now. Hold on, mother. All right, what's that one? Uh, I'm putting 40k on. 
Islam, whatever his name is, Makahachev to win uh, 64-51 um, at UFC Fight Night on whatever 4, day that is. 40000 and he wins what? Uh, 6,451. All right. Because he's tight. Who did he beat in his last fight? Uh, he won like his last four. He's he trains underneath uh Khabib. He's like Khabib's homeboy. Oh, okay. I I had kind of recognized it, but uh, he's a minus Who did you Who did you choose to win the golf thing? I I took with Brooks Kepka and I took Colin Morikawa. And now it's at the Barbosa uh, Championship. It's at the Open uh, this weekend. It's one of the majors. Islam Makachev. You're tightest, bro. I am. Right, I got that locked in. Makachev. All right. 40K on him to win 64-51. You know what? I actually might just roll no, with those no, hold on two. a second. You can't bet. You have to change one of yours because you, you're betting 50K and you don't have 50K anymore. Okay. How much money do I have? You have forty eight you have forty eight thousand five hundred and eighty eight twenty four. So essentially you could you gotta change one of them down a couple thousand. Okay, so do the it do thirty on Islam, whatever his name is. You could theoretically do thirty you could if you wanna go all in you can. Yeah, that's right. I'm going all in. You so you're you're willing to end the the you are gonna risk it for the biscuit? Yeah, I am. Okay, so you need to put this into your into your thing. Okay. Um, you're betting $38,588.24. What does that pay out? Uh, $6,223. Okay. All right. You better hope there's not two upsets. Otherwise, I'm going to win this shit in July. <laughs> We're tight. <laughs> um, next week, we have... The two South divisions coming at you. We will figure out who they are yet. We're not sure who we're going to go under yet. Um, I got to make some. I got to reach out to some people and kind of see who wants to go one and where. And then me and Luke will get that discussed here over the next uh, couple of days. But as I said, we'll be back next Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, talking about that Kraken draft. We'll be talking the Jamel Charlo fight uh, as well as he fights on Saturday. And it was going to be. I was looking forward to previewing. Um, the Tyson Fury, Dante Wilder fight, but uh, Fury got COVID, so they don't know when they're going to fight. It might be October because in August is Pacquiao and September is Canelo, so they're Same. they're not going to they're not going to all jump. I'll draw those. No, they got to move on to October. Um, we'll have some boxing talk nonetheless next week with the Charlo fights. Fury um, got scared. <laughs> It's going to be fun. So we, we got some good stuff, but we will be back also tomorrow. I'm not sure if we're doing WrestleCast at 10 o'clock tomorrow night, but otherwise Friday night, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time as well. Twitch.tv forward slash WrestleCast Radio. Come join us as we start night two of the 2021 Royal Rose Festival. Uh, 12 women round robin tournaments. As uh, the winner gets Shayna Baszler on September 24th on the next big Super Show. Also, uh, Walter will be defending the television championship against Nick Elvis, who earned the shot last week defeating Taito Ishida after his showing at Summer Games. So, big show coming to you on Friday from the Summit. Uh, with that being said, for Luke and myself, we are out of time. We'll catch you all next Wednesday at Sports Cancel Radio.
Deuces. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.